If you have your Bible with you this morning, I hope you do. Please turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 2 through 3 this morning, which finishes for us another section in our study of how to respond to our salvation for the glory of God. See, the book of 1 Peter was written to help us as elect exiles, as those who have been chosen by God and there are therefore being rejected by this world, on how to live here on earth during the time of our pilgrimage in a way that reflects the greatness of our salvation that Christ has won for us. And what we've studied so far is three out of six foundational ways that we who have been born again show ourselves as different from the unsaved world. Three ways that we show ourselves to be God's people. Three ways that we show ourselves to be elect exiles. Those three ways are by living for God's glory, loving God's people, and longing, longing for God's word. Upon these three foundational responses, all other actions of Christian service and worship are built. A believer and a church can be engaged in so many activities and ministries, but if we are not living for God's glory, if we are not loving God's people, if we are not longing for God's word, every single one of our ambitions and endeavors will be powerless and perishing. We have to start here in living for God's glory. We have to start with ourselves. And so Peter takes us back here to the basics of Christian living. Christianity 101. If you've been born again by God's mercy and power, then live for His glory. Love His people and long for His Word. It really is quite simple, isn't it? And yet, at the same time, oh how difficult it is. How many times this past week did we not even think about God's glory or worth, let alone how to best live for Him? How many times this past week did we not even think about God's children and His people, let alone consider how can I best show loving care and concern towards them? How many times this past week did we not even think about God's Word and wisdom, let alone long for it in the day as we ought to have? If we're to be honest, we have a lot of growth that needs to happen in these areas, don't we? We need to grow in our commitment for living for God's glory, loving God's people, and longing for God's Word. The question is, how do we grow then? How do we grow spiritually in these areas and in any area of our spiritual life? Well, Peter shows us here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3. through 3. He gives us four steps every single one of us must take if we are to re-engage in spiritual growth for the glory of God. We saw the first two last week. Peter tells us that if we want to grow spiritually, we must first remember our source of life. We saw that at the very beginning of verse 1 when Peter called on us to remember that we are born again, how? Through the living and abiding Word of God. God's Word was our source of life when we first came to faith in Christ, and God's Word still is. It is the Word of life that is living and active, that is at work in you who believe. The Word of God is the path and the place where we behold Jesus who is our life. Therefore, if we desire to grow, then we must get back to the Word of God. Word of God. We must remember our source of life. Second, for the sake of our spiritual growth, we must repent of our sinful desires. 
That's what we saw at the end of verse 1 where Peter writes, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. These attitudes, we learned, are satanic trash that must be thrown away, else they choke out our spiritual growth. So if we want to live for God's glory, love God's people, and long for God's word the way we ought, then we can't neglect this step. We have to take out the trash. We have to bring to the light the hidden sins of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. And we must cast them away in confession to the Lord if we're to grow spiritually in any of these areas. There's no room in our hearts for both sinful passions and sanctified desires. One must be driven out if there is to be room for another. And so if you want to grow in your living for God's glory, your loving of God's people, and your longing for God's Word, then you must remember your source of life. And you must repent of your sinful desires. That brings us to this morning, to verses 2-3, through where Peter gives us the final two steps we must take if we seek to grow in our walk with God and our devotion to God's glory, God's people, and God's Word. We must, as the beginning of verse 2 says, recognize our supreme need in life. And at the end of verses 2-3, through we must reignite our salvation's growth. So if you want to grow spiritually in your walk with God, then you must remember your source of life, repent of your sinful desires, recognize your supreme need, and reignite your salvation's growth. This is how we respond to ourselves as elect exiles heading towards our heavenly home. So with that in mind, let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3. through 3. The Apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words for us today. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the Word of God who saves us when we call on Him so that we might observe His testimonies. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for this great privilege to open up your inerrant word and by your spirit to have it opened to us so that we might behold your glory and learn to walk in your ways father we thank you for the salvation that christ has purchased for us on the cross We thank You that He shed His blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And we thank You that He has risen again and given us a new life of purpose and meaning. Father, guide us in that new life today by Your Spirit, through Your Word, for the honor of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Cause us to be a people who yearn from our hearts to hear You speak. Give us grace, Father, we pray. 
the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus. We ask this in His name. Amen. So after remembering our source of life and repenting of our sinful desires, Peter gives us two more means by which we as believers are to encourage spiritual growth in our lives. It doesn't just happen. Spiritual growth is done by the grace and power of God within us as He both works in us to will and do His good pleasure. So how do we cultivate spiritual growth by the grace and power of God? Well, the third way that Peter mentions right there at the beginning of verse 2 is to recognize your supreme need. Peter writes like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Here Peter gives a simple but powerful analogy. First he says that we as believers are to long, that is crave, earnestly yearn for the pure spiritual milk of the Word. That is the milk, as we mentioned last week in verses 22-25. through It is the milk of the Word of God, that seed that produced new life in us. We are to long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word. And Peter says that we are to long for for it. I love how basic this command is that Peter gives. It's not like it's difficult for any of us. Peter does not say here, preach the word or teach the word. Like Paul says over in 2 Timothy 4.2 or 1 Timothy 4.11. Peter doesn't say, meditate on the word or memorize the word. Like what's said in Joshua 1.8 or Psalms 119 verse 11. Peter doesn't say, study the word or search the word. Like he says in 1 Timothy 2.15 or Acts 17.11. And Peter doesn't even say, read the word like Paul does over in 1 Timothy 4.13. He starts off way more basic than that because he recognizes if this is followed, everything else comes from it. He says, long for the Word. Desire the Word. Earnestly crave for the Word of God in your life. So after describing the glorious and eternal and miraculous nature of God's Word in verses 22-25, through Peter then says, Long for it earnestly. How earnestly? Like newborn infants, he says. That is a picture, by the way. Some of you know this quite experientially. <laughs> if this illustration is lost on you this morning, what does it mean to long for something like a newborn infant? May I encourage you to talk to Susan and sign up for our church nursery schedule. And you will see God's Word play out in real life each and every week. Right? Peter gives us an astonishingly vivid picture here. Peter could have just said, Long for the word like infants. That is brephos in the Greek, right? He could have just said, long for it like suckling infants. And that would have communicated the general point. But Peter doesn't say that here in this passage. No, he intensifies the language by adding a word right before infants in the Greek that literally means born right now. In other words, we as believers are to continually yearn and earnestly crave for the pure spiritual milk of the Word like a baby that has just been born. That is a powerful longing. I'll never forget it. When Ethan, our youngest boy, was born out of an emergency C-section, he came out screaming, not just crying, but screaming. And he didn't stop screaming until they carried him around the sheet, the privacy sheet, and placed him right on Chara's chest. The moment they did that, Ethan immediately stopped screaming, looked up at his mother's face, and 
started puckering and sucking his lips. And Chara said, I'll never forget, she said, oh my little one, are you hungry already? I mean, they had just cut the cord. And sure enough, they wheeled both of them to a side room and he wasted no time. He took hold immediately and in an instant he was at peace. That is exactly the type of longing that Peter is describing for us here. A newborn infant comes into this world, not placidly, but screaming, longing, crying urgently for one single thing. Not a finished nursery, mothers. Milk. 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 Now, is that because a newborn baby has no other needs other than milk? No, not at all. They come out naked. Their head looks like a cone. There's blood and fluid everywhere. (laughs) A newborn baby has plenty of needs. If you doubt this, uh, once you become a parent, all of those needs will keep you up at night and make you look like a raccoon the next morning, which is like how some of you look today. (laughs) But anyway... Listen to this. Every other need of a newborn baby is far eclipsed next to their overwhelming, preeminent, supreme need for what? Milk. A newborn baby can lose his cap. He can wiggle out of his wrap. He can blow his diaper. He can not have socks. He can have his nursery unfinished, and he will be fine. But if he doesn't have milk, he's going to perish and starve. And that's why every newborn baby alive under the sun comes out of the womb with this God-given instinct and craving for one preeminent need, milk. Milk. He craves for it day and night. Just one other final example for you. After Ethan was born, Ethan's the perfect example. (laughs) My parents came over to our house to help us out. And... uh, And while they were there, my dad decided to help me rebuild our back deck there in Pennsylvania. One day as I went out around 8 a.m., I noticed in that moment that Chara was getting Ethan up uh, from sleep and my mom was getting a bottle ready. And I didn't think anything more of it while I was out there helping my dad for the next four hours or so until finally I came back inside for lunch. And I was shocked by the sight that met me because there was my wife and my mom, completely frazzled, in fact, their hair was all over the place, and they were exhausted looking. In just four hours, something dramatic had taken place. And I asked what in the world happened, and Chara said, you will not believe this, but for the past four hours, Ethan has not stopped eating. He went back and forth from me to the bottle, from me to the bottle, from me to the bottle, without stopping, he has just now finally fallen asleep. For nearly four hours straight, Ethan wouldn't stop drinking milk. Nothing on earth would satisfy him except that. And Peter says, so it is with every, oh listen, with every true believer. Every believer will and must, as it's a command, and must long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word because the Word is every believer's supreme and preeminent need. It is not without reason that God says three times in Scripture, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is because this is no empty word for us as we're told in Deuteronomy 32.47, it's your very life. Just as a newborn baby is dominated by the need for milk, our entire existence as believers should be dominated by an awareness of our supreme need for the Word of God. 
It's not that we don't have other needs, just like babies don't have other needs, right? We do have to pay our bills, right? We do have to make sure we have clothes on our body when we walk out the door this morning, right? We do need to make sure that we fill our bellies. But our preeminent need and our insatiable craving for the Word of God should eclipse everything else in life. As Job 23 verse 12 states, we must treasure the words of his mouth more than our necessary food. So don't ever get to the place where you think you don't consistently need God's Word in your life, believer. Or even worse, where you think that something else, this is what I've seen in churches far too often, where you start to think that something else can substitute for the Word of God in your life. And it can look like something very worldly and fleshly. Well, I turn to video games, or I turn to hobbies, or I turn to sports, and that'll substitute. Or it can even look very religious. I read devotionals. I do my daily bread. I do all these different things, but I never crack open the Word of God for myself. Oh, believer, long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word. Not what men say about it. Read it for yourself. It was given for you to read and for you to understand and for you to study and for you to long for and for you to drink in and grow thereby. Nothing can substitute for the Word of God. Sermons can't. If this is the only thing of the Word of God you get each week, wow, I'm so sorry for you. Sermons can't substitute. Podcasts can't substitute. Devotional books cannot substitute. Spiritual conversations you happen to have with friends cannot substitute. Although all of those things can be helpful, none of those things are living, none of those things are abiding, and none of those things remain forever. Nothing can take the place of a regular diet of God's Word in your life. You need to be in God's Word directly for yourself. Word by word, Phrase by phrase, paragraph by paragraph, book by book. You need the pure spiritual milk of the Word. So what are you reading, believer? Have you substituted the Word of God for lesser things in your life? Let this be a reminder for this new week to get alone with God. and To read God's Word directly, unfiltered and unmixed for yourself. Like newborn infants, we should never be content, never at ease, and never at peace until our singularly preeminent need for the pure Word of God is satisfied over and over and over again. A healthy infant is a hungry infant. And a healthy Christian is a hungry Christian too. Our lives as a believer and as a church ought to be dominated by one continuous cry and one preeminent longing. Give me the pure Word of God. So if we as elect exiles want to keep on growing spiritually, then you and I must remember our source of life. We must repent of our sinful desires. We must recognize our supreme need. And finally, we must reignite our salvation's growth. That's at the end of part two, or verse two, and on into verse three, where it says this, that by it, it is by that, pure spiritual milk of the word by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you've tasted that the lord is good 
Peter tells us here that we ought to long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. Why? That by it you may grow up into salvation. And that is something that we all should recognize we need, right? We need to grow. We need to grow in the areas of longing for God's glory, of loving God's people, of, of longing for His word. Right? We, we need to grow in throwing away the sinful attitudes that we looked at last week in verse 1. And as living as elect exiles, we need to grow because none of us cherish God's word, God's people, or God's glory as highly as we ought. Even Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, I haven't even obtained this. I am not already perfect in these matters. So, he says in Philippians 3.12, I press on. Verse 13, I strain forward. Verse 14, I press on towards the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is Paul we're talking about. And then in verse 15, Paul says this, Let those of us who are mature think this way. In other words, all of us need to grow spiritually and in these three areas. And if you can't see that, You are totally blind and dead in your sins and need to be born again and made alive through faith in Christ Jesus or you're so spiritually immature you don't even recognize how much you need to grow. It's like when I had a teenager walk up to me one time in Pennsylvania and say, I know everything that the Word of God has to say. And I just laughed inwardly. (laughs) I've been studying this book for years and I'm only scratching the surface. It just shows how little you know when you think you know so much. And the more mature you become spiritually, the more you recognize the fact that we all need to grow. And that's the irony. It is the mature who sense how immature they still are. And it is the immature who don't recognize their immaturity and their desperate need to grow. Because that's Peter's point. All of us are desperately needing to long for God's Word because all of us are desperately needing to grow. And the only way that we grow and keep on growing is if we earnestly and longingly go after the Word of God. That's why he says it is by it that we grow up into our salvation. That is, into the fullest expression of our salvation. It is by the Word of God. Peter says later, over in 2 Peter 3.18, we must grow in grace. It is part of our calling as believers. We must grow. Because if you're not growing, you're dead. Colossians 2.19 says, it is those who hold fast to Christ by faith that grow with a growth that comes from God. So if we're alive, if we're born again, we ought to be growing. But how? How do we grow in grace? I've talked about this many times before. But focus strictly on our discussion for this morning. Acts 20.32 says, I commend you to God and to the word of His what? Grace, which is able to do what? Build you up. Build you up. That is exactly what Peter is saying here. God's word grows you. And so if you're recognizing your need to throw off satanic attitudes that we looked at last week, if you understand that you've got a long ways towards uh, putting on the Christ-like care and forgiveness that we talked about the week before that, if you're gripped with a sense that you need to grow in living a life of reverence, of readiness, and of righteousness before God, if you recognize you need to grow like we all do, then we must long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word so that by it we may grow. Nothing will change if you don't go to the Word of God. This is the catalyst that begins everything. We must long for the pure spiritual milk of the word that by it we may grow. Ephesians 4.15 says that when the word of God is spoken in love, we as believers grow up into Christ. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that when we with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord in the mirror of God's word, we're transformed from the same, from one, into the same image, from one degree of glory into another by the Spirit. God's word makes us grow. Beloved, do you see how wonderful this promise is? This is what I was thinking as I was studying this. 
this week. How wonderful the promise is given, given to us here in 1 Peter 2 2. Every single one of us still, listen to this, we still have the capacity to grow. Don't buy Satan's lie that you're too old to change. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. God can. That you're too settled to grow, too exposed to be transformed anymore. Don't buy the lie that you've already learned enough and that you've learned everything. Don't buy the lie, especially this, that your sin is too deeply entrenched or your patterns of life are too deeply established. If you get into God's Word faithfully and drinking earnestly like a newborn baby longs for the pure spiritual milk, right? it doesn't matter if you've been saved for 30 minutes or for 30 years. Scripture says you're going to blossom like a desert flower and you're going to spring up like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water. That's the promise of God's Word. You will grow up in your salvation. Isn't that a thrilling promise? God can still grow you. You, I'm talking about every single one of you. God can still grow you, still change you, still transform you for His glory and still transport you to a greater and deeper height in your devotion to Him than you've ever known before in your life. Don't ever buy the lie of Satan. Well, back then when I was in my 20s or back then when I was in my teens, back then when I was in church camp, that was when I was really on fire for the Lord. That is ridiculous. God's Word can cause you to grow right now. If you get into God's Word each and every day, your best days are ahead of you, not behind you, spiritually. That's the promise. And isn't that exciting? I mean, it's the excitement of growth that, that, that makes life life. The excitement for living is growth. The prospect of stagnation is what's death. But the prospect of growth is life. And, and the means of growth is the Word of God. So ignite your salvation's growth and get in the Word. Of course, this all is assuming something absolutely critical, and that is this. The Word of God will always make you grow, but only, verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, the promise of spiritual growth is dependent on spiritual life. If you're not saved, it doesn't matter how hard you try to long for God's Word, you're not going to be able to. If you're not saved, it doesn't matter how much you try to love God's people, you're not going to love them. If you're not saved, it doesn't matter how you try to live for God's glory, you won't be able to. The only way you'll be able to grow in salvation is if you're actually saved, if you're born again. And that's exactly what Peter means here when he says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. That is the knowledge, by the way, of God that falls upon every soul that has been redeemed by God's grace. Everyone who has been born again has tasted and they know that the Lord is good. And that understanding, that experience, that taste of the goodness of God as seen in salvation is what creates the insatiable longing that every believer feels towards God in their heart. Though we might drift away from God for a time, the goodness and kindness and mercy of God that we tasted when we were first born again keeps on drawing us back to Him irresistibly. As Psalms 34 verse 8 says, We have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And the more we taste of Him, the more we experience His goodness towards us in Christ, the more we crave Him. Is that not so? Think about food if you want a good illustration. It's like when I first had tuna steak fresh from the ocean. 
Or when I first had a smoked salmon sandwich with cool cucumber cream cheese spread. It was great. Or when I first had sushi prepared by a Japanese chef in Pittsburgh. Right? You can fill in whatever food you think is best, because maybe you were disgusted by some of the things I mentioned. But those flavors were, to this day, so impactful that I keep on drawing back to them, looking to find that experience once more. Except this is where the illustration breaks down, is that food, no matter how wonderful, never tastes as good as it did the first time. But with God, every time I go back to Him, He keeps on getting better and better and better. And my longing keeps on getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And my times apart from Him keep on getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Why? Because I'm tasting and I'm seeing that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Every time I'm in His Word, every time I'm in prayer, every time I'm among godly Christian friends who are speaking about the grace of Christ, I am tasting afresh the goodness of the Lord and I am growing in my longing and my love for Him. And so Peter's message here is really quite simple. If you've already tasted the goodness of the Lord in salvation, then you're already experiencing this, aren't you? You're already seeking to live for God's glory, at least to a degree. You're already loving God's people, at least to a degree. You're already longing for God's Word, at least to a degree. Well, then keep on doing that. That's Peter's message. Get in God's Word so that all of those good and righteous and born-again affections are cultivated and are fanned into a flame so all the world can see. Because that's the point of Peter's message. This is not a book so that we can all get together and say, hey, look at how righteous we are. This is a book written so that all the world would know how righteous Jesus is by looking upon us. This is an evangelistic letter, and it all begins, all evangelism begins in our own hearts and minds as we come to understand and appreciate and know that the Lord is good. And as we know the goodness of the Lord, others see it shining in us, and they are drawn to faith in Jesus Christ as well. It starts here. Cultivate those affections that are already planted in you by the Spirit of God. Grow them up. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Reignite your salvation's growth. If all these emotions that I've just described to you this morning are alien to you, if all of these affections are absent within you, if you're not already earnestly longing for God's glory, God's people, and God's Word, and you're just here because you feel like you need to be, where you were made to be. Can I call on you today that you need to surrender your life to Christ's saving sovereignty today? You need to be given a new heart that is filled with a new affection and empowered by a new life. You must be born again by God's mercy and power. You need to experience this morning the grace and goodness and loving kindness of our Lord by repenting of your sins and surrendering your life to Christ's saving sovereignty. You need to taste and see that the Lord is good. And once you do that, you'll be hooked for life. No other substitute will satisfy. Only the Lord and only His Word. So these are the four principles of basic spiritual growth. They're very simple, aren't they? This is Christianity 101. If you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, desire to grow in your living for God's glory, your loving of God's people, and your longing for God's Word, then you must remember your source of life, the Word of Christ. You must repent of your sinful desires. 
You must recognize your singular need and you must reignite your salvation's growth. These are the steps that cultivate and impart life, love, and longing to our Christian walk. And so I pray that each one of us will follow these steps this week by the power of the Spirit and His new birth. That each and every one of us will respond to ourselves properly as elect exiles by remembering our source of life, repenting of our sinful desires, recognizing our singular need, and reigniting our salvation's growth. So let's do that this week, Grace Chapel. As we walk this pilgrim road together for the glory of God, let's return to the pure spiritual milk of the Word that by it we may grow up in our salvation. This is the Word of God from 1 Peter 2, 1-3, which I now commit to your further study and your faithful obedience in the fervent care of one another until our good Lord returns. To that end, as the men come forward this morning for communion, let's pray. Father, I thank You. I thank You for the teaching of Your Word. I thank You that Your Word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Father, I thank You for how Your Word often cuts us open so that we can see what is within. So that we can behold ourselves as in a mirror, and upon beholding ourselves, we might call out to You for the grace that is needed for change. And so, Father, we pray that You would change us today. Father, we know that if we've been born again, we have been given a longing for Your Word. By Your grace, give us strength this week to fan it into a flame. Help us so be tasting of Your goodness and kindness every day that we cannot help but share it with those around us, both with our brothers and sisters in Christ and then with the whole world. Help us to taste this week and remember how good, how good you are. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.